0: You know, when God <clears throat> speaks to, to your heart, God uh, has a way of not letting go about what God says. I think it's an incredible, it's an incredible technology to, to, for man to be able to hear God speak. It is an incredible technology how this cosmic God, who seems to be trillions of light years away, and his voice suddenly appears inside of your heart and life. And you think, that is an amazing technology of how you can be so far away but so near. And yet you can be all places at the same time. You can be intimately with me, but also intimately with a gazillion other people. To all who call on him, he's there. It's an amazing, it's an amazing technology. To know God is one piece of technology, but to serve him is another. It's in the serving that everything about your life begins to change. It's not just in the knowing. It's not just in the knowing, but it's actually in the doing that the knowing increases. You know, how many of us, when we do something, we get knowledge? We learn how not to do something or we learn how to do something better. By doing something we get to know a person better. We get to know their ways, don't we? And uh, it's so important that, we, that in our knowing, there is a doing. And I was thinking about this. These scriptures here on this screen right now are very powerful scriptures that God extends his righteous scepter from Zion. In other words, God from heaven extends his arm out And when God extends his right arm out, that symbolizes his power and his authority. So when God is towards a people, he stretches forth his hands towards them and he declares over them. Hello? If you know God, you know this. And he gives you that same power. His power, he lets you operate in that same power. Isn't that amazing? And, but then we have to pass through gates. And in that scripture, there it talks about en route to those gates, there's obstacles. I don't know about you, but I found loads of them in my life. And whenever you want to do anything good for God, you'll find that the road is littered with obstacles. And to overcome those obstacles, we need faith. That's Isaiah 62, verse 10. And then as you pass through, there are walls, broken walls that need to be rebuilt. Have you noticed that? Look around you in society. We have a communities full of broken walls. How many of you noticed that? If you look at if you look at um, 50, oh, say let's go back hundred years in our, our nation, eighty years, sixty years, when people's awareness of God and spirituality was at the forefront, you know, we had buildings, church buildings erected all over the place. Is that not true? Many of them now have become warehouses, restaurants, antiques, mosques, you name it. That's just a symbol of how the landscape has changed. Look at the buildings and it's a reflection of where the people have drifted and shifted. Yes? And then you see, when you rebuild broken walls, there are streets that need to be rebuilt. Isaiah 58 verse 12. We are now, God is bringing us to the people of the streets. Because we are the people of the streets. No one knows the streets better than the people who live in the streets. Amen? So we all belong. We all live in a street or a road or a cul-de-sac or an avenue. We all live. We are people of the streets. We are commoners in that sense. And I like that. I like that the fact I was born in a stable. Yeah? I was born at home. I wasn't born in, in a hospital. I was born, I was down with the people. Yeah? And then there's a point where God wants you to rule in the midst of your enemies. That's Psalm 110 verse 2. This is the kingdom, people. This is God's kingdom. There is a scepter. There are gates to pass through. There are, broke, there are walls that need to be rebuilt because they're broken. There are streets that need to be restored. And God wants you to rule in the midst of your enemies. Now you have to define who your enemies are and why they're your enemies. Yeah? Yeah. Not everybody who doesn't like you is not your enemy. There are people who don't like you and there are people who are your enemies. You know? We have to define those who don't like us from those who are our enemies. And really, you haven't got enemies unless you're doing something. Yeah. 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 Yeah? Enemy... An enemy is someone who opposes what you're doing. Yeah? This is the kingdom. So, this would be really cool if we could all say in our hearts, this is my commission. I have been commissioned by Almighty God. How many of you believe you've been commissioned by Almighty God? Commissioned for what? It's not enough to say I've been commissioned. This is not like the American allegiance to the flag. Close your eyes and be blind and say there's only one, God only loves America. God doesn't only love America, God loves the world. America is not the world, it's only part of the world. But don't tell them that. I am a believer who must be put to work. If I've been, if I've been commissioned, commission means there's a work to be done. Hello? I am a believer who must be put to work. Yeah? I must put you to work. God must put his people to work. Wow. You mean, I, got, I already got a job. There's your problem right there. I have a work and an assignment to be completed. So not have I been commissioned, not, not only must I be put to work, I have a work and an assignment that needs to be completed. I need to run my race and finish my race. Finish does not mean you died. Finish means you're finished. Not that you finished. Hear yeah, the subtle difference there. When you're dead, you're finished. When you did, you're finished. But to finish a race means you finished the race, not that you're finished. There's a finishing generation. I have a mandate to fulfill, I have a destiny to pursue, and I have a vision to uphold. That's called living for something. Now we have to define what that something is. Because something's vague. Something's ambiguous. The kingdom, even the kingdom can be ambiguous. So we have to define what that kingdom is and what our purpose and our assignment is. And, and uh, Because if I'm going to live for someone, it's better to live for someone while I'm doing something. Because doing something reminds me about the one I'm doing it for. Yeah? if I ask someone to help in the cafe afterwards, you're doing it because someone asked you, but in the doing it, you enjoy the doing it. Hopefully you enjoy it. You get to connect with people and and there's many benefits come from the doing. But always remember you're doing it for the one who asked you to do it as well. As much as you're doing it for the the pleasure you get from it. Yeah? And I said before that, Despite politics or economy of a nation, whether those nations are flourishing or floundering, the church predominantly seems to have an unemployment issue. I don't mean people in that community of that church can't find jobs. There is, the church sits on its blessed assurance, singing, Jesus is mine. Oh, me and my Jesus are just happy divine. Well, whoop de do for you. That you and Jesus are just fine. But Jesus came to do his father's work. And that work is what he left us to continue. Yeah? It's not it's not as if it's a surprise. He talks to us about it. And there are mega churches and there are large, there are medium and small. The mega churches or the large church churches think that the mega churches are doing all the work. The small churches think the large churches are doing the work, and the small churches don't think they're big enough to do it to be able to get involved in the work. So everybody thought somebody, in fact, nobody, was doing the work. But we sure know how to pack a building out. We sure know how to pack up the parking lot, the lot. We sure know how to create the the impression that the church is doing something. Because we've learned to be good church attenders. Because ingrained in our culture was you must go to church on a Sunday. But we were never told to be the church. We were just told to go to church. So church was only something we did on Sunday. Because that's called being religious. Yeah? And then you get the other type of religion was to keep everybody in church. So we're in church on a Tuesday. We're in church on a Thursday. So we're in the church, we're at the Bible study. On a Wednesday, we're at the prayer night. And in the Thursday, we're in the prayer night, study night. And then we've got the youth night. Saturday night, it's yours. But you're not allowed to go anywhere. Not allowed to do anything. Not allowed to go anywhere. Don't go to the cinema in case Jesus comes back and he doesn't like the movie you're watching and leaves without you. And then come back to church on a Sunday and all we had was church, 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 until people got sick to the death of church. So all we had was a church life, but we didn't have a Christ life. And you know that's still going on today. Many churches still want the people at church two and three or four times a week. Get a life. Raise a family. Now, notice I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm saying, be the church. If you be the church, then going to church makes sense. Going, coming here this morning was for you. And for us. The world couldn't give a rip about whether you go to church or not. Really couldn't give a rip about whether you go to church or not. It's not interested. Because you got something out of it. They got a lying bed. You going to to church is not on their radar. But you, but what they need is they need to see your life on a Monday to Friday. So they need to see the church before they ever go to church. True? And we like wilting flowers. We're dying in the world and then we get into church and, oh, pray for me. It's hard out there. Get a life. Now here's the problem, we say in our minds, this is what we say, I have a job and I have a faith. So just think of that for a minute in your mind when you say those two things. What you are saying is, I have a job, which is over here. And I have a faith which is over here. In your mind, you've compartmentalized them and you've separated them. True? Job is what I do Monday to Friday. Faith is what I do on a weekend. And we've separated the two. And there lies the issue in the kingdom. That you see what you do on a Monday to Friday as a job. So when do you ever go to work? Well, I do go to work. I go to work Monday to Friday. That's in the physical context of I have a job. You've translated your work as your job, but there is a spiritual work. And if you're in church all the time and then you go to work, when do you ever go to work? Think about this. How can you ever go have a work in the kingdom if you have a job and then at weekend you're in church? Scratch your head about that one. The reason why is because you don't see your job as your work. You've separated the two and compartmentalised them and then you expect somebody else to show you what your work is. And then here's the deception, and and I'm not minimising what we ask you to do here by saying this. I'm just making making this a point. We ask you to serve... In the cafe, for instance, or on the door, you think now you've got a spiritual work. That's still about us. That has nothing to do with the commission. Hello? So when do I actually go to work, spiritual work? Well, the truth is, you go to work every day. But the, but the, the other issue is, you leave your faith at home and you believe at home and only bring it out at a weekend, and the issue is unless you combine your work with your faith, you'll never have you'll never tap into you'll never discover you'll never see the beauty or the fruit of where you're supposed to be and the people you're supposed to be with that that's your work that work demands your faith that work when you're working for a tyrant boss. Your faith and belief is needed. When you're working for a slave master, who's constantly threatening you all the time, if you can't do it, we'll find someone else, and you're living under that, you're working under that oppressive regime, God is using that, that's your work. Because God actually says to the slaves, don't, look how God speaks to the slaves in 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 the book of Titus. Slaves, obey your masters. Now, we're not slaves in that sense, but it shows that sometimes when we, when we work for big corporations, we feel like we're just a number. We feel like we're a slave, but that's where our light and our life has got to shine. That's your work right there. Because if you're at work all week and at church all week, and you have no time to do any work for God. If we understand it and put it in that context... But if we take our faith to work, then I'm got a spiritual work seven days a week. Hello? You mean I've got to take my faith to work? Yeah, that's what I just said. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says this. We also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine with faith. Without faith, it's impossible to walk. One, finish it off. Please, God. It doesn't say it in that scripture, but I'm just adding that on. So the key word there is combine. The word there is combine. They did not combine what they knew and what they had. This is the problem. With the charismatic church, it does not combine its faith with anything else. It separates what it does from who they are. Hello. And the only time most Christians bring God into work is when they want a promotion, pay rise, or they want God to remove the wicked ruler. Come on. We don't see that the fields are white unto harvest. And we've lost all conscience and consciousness about the kingdom. The nearest you'll ever see your kingdom, the kingdom's working, is right where you work, right where you live. That's where the kingdom is waiting to explode. The kingdom ain't exploded in here. You are the kingdom. You take the kingdoms inside of you. Yeah? And then we see James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? If a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds, in other words, work, or proof or evidence of his faith, can such faith save him? Wow. Key point is the believers need to combine their faith with work, deeds, actions. Can you see this? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know that. We're not called to sit on our blessed assurance. We've just said that. There must be evidential proof of your faith. Ooh. You know, right now, if we all had to, if we all had to walk out the door and just write a little ditty, what we did for the kingdom this week, what, how did we portray Christ this week, many of us would be ashamed. Because many of us, I get so wrapped up in our world that we forget the kingdom we carry. We get so consumed in our world. And that's because we have no conscience of the kingdom. We have a conscience of self-preservation. If I don't work, if I'm not there on time, if I don't do what my boss says, then there will be consequences. And we see in that sense of self-preservation, I will keep on doing because it's my responsibility. Because there's a paycheck at the end of it. Come on, be honest with yourself. Let's see, let's understand it for what it really is. And then we don't think being a Christian is our responsibility. We see it's something we do outside. Then James, verse 20, James chapter 2, verse 20 says, Listen, you foolish man. Now the tone changes. So the first two verses were education. Now. There's a finger in your face, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Ooh, just stop a minute. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to be cynical here for a second if I can. Well, the evidence is all around. The evidence is we have learned to get by without faith. We've learned to get by without God. Most churches don't need God. They just need members. They just need members. Don't bring God into it. And so we'll create all these religious rules to keep God out of it so that the people will keep on coming. Let's just remove the furniture for a minute and let's get a little bit more up-tempo, charismatic. We can sing all our songs, but it's still all about us. So let's not just blame what we think is religion. Religion comes in many, many packages. But we've learned to get by without God and we've learned to survive without faith. And then what we do is we learn when it comes to trouble, we try and get panic faith. And you know what panic faith's called? All my friends will pray for me and they'll get me through this. Well, they're the same as you, honey. They don't have faith. The good friends... But if they don't have faith, then guess what? Faithless is praying for faithless. What we need is faith, praying for the faithless. We need faith. We've just read that it's impossible to please God without... But in the workplace, there's a lot of faithfulness. There's a lot of faithlessness. Yeah? Yeah? James 2, 22. Also, let me go back to that verse 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Well, the evidence is all around. Like I've just said, most believers are unproductive and fruitless outside of the church building. The key point now is their foolishness of thought and their practice. They are trying to live a faith without evidence. Hello? That's the story of the church. We're trying to live a faith without faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. It ain't Kansas yet tore over. Just click the little red heels. I believe, I believe. That's not faith. That's called wishful thinking. So James 2, says, you see that his faith and his actions, talking about Abraham now, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. So Abraham, as an Old Testament saint, discovered something that most New Testament saints have never discovered. Wow. And Paul's highlighting this, that even Abraham discovered something and tapped into something that most modern day believers have not yet understood. Yet they talk about it like they do understand it, but they live it as if they don't. And he says this, You see that his faith and his actions were working together. Everyone say together. And his faith was made complete. Complete what? By what he did. Not who he professed to be, but by what he did. Wow. It's not what you know that makes a difference. It's what you can combine. With what you know. Can I put it into action? So the key thought of combining is faith must be combined to action. Hello? So next week you go into your prayer room and you're praying faith. That's great. Nothing wrong with praying. Absolutely fantastic. But at some point you've got to come out of the closet. Hello? Well, my job is just to pray. No, it's not. Because that's not what the commission's about. Everyone's got the commission, not just, well, I, I've had a word with him, and he said, I can stay in my closet and pray. So he says, when you pray, go into your closet. So what you do when you're not in your, you're praying? Get out of the closet. So many people think we're just praying. Now, praying is very good. is a, a very positive action. But at some point, you've got to open your mouth. And share what you know with others so you are made complete as you go. Hello, you are made complete as you go. So, when you combine your faith with the work, you are made complete as you go. It's important. This is why it's not good enough to know you got to go. And as you go, you grow. Yeah? So James then finishes it all off in verse 26 by saying, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So as the body without the spirit is dead, so if your body doesn't have a spirit, it's dead. Yes? So is faith without deeds. In other words, you can come to church all you want. You can sing hallelujah. You can even put money in the offering. You can serve in the cafe. But if your faith doesn't have an action, it's dead. Wow. Wow. And this is why Jesus says that there are wheats and there are tares, but leave it until the end of the age will separate them. Wow. This is a good time to get sober, folks. Lord, I need to change. Need to have your conscience about how to put my faith to action, to work. Well, you know God gave Adam a work when he's in that garden. Pharaoh had a mind to put millions of Hebrews slaves to work. So God has a mind to work. Pharaoh has a mind to work and to keep people busy and to keep people in slavery. The enemy, meaning Satan, the Bible says he has a work also. His work is to kill, steal, and destroy. Make no bones about it. He's got a lot of faith in that. You know why? Because he's got evidence. Right now, the evidence is people are dying every day, every minute, every second of humanity, And the enemy has stole, he's destroyed people's lives. Many people are caught in captivity. Right? They're not all on drugs, they're not all on drink, but captivity comes in so many varieties. But guess what? The grave is still the end result. You know, the Bible says the grave has has a limitless appetite. It feeds on flesh. And every day it's taking people. But that's why Jesus overcame death. So even though we die, we have life. The grave ain't having me. It's not having you. So the enemy also has a work for mankind. So he can keep troubling. He can keep disgracing people. He keeps killing. He keeps stealing. And he keeps destroying. His evidence is all around. He combines his faith with his work. He's taken many of your friends He's taken many of your loved ones. He's taken your friends through sickness. Through trouble, through hardships, through suicide, through addictions. He's taking people's lives every day. We see the evidence of his work every day. He's a master at it. He's skilled at it. Wow. Pharaoh had evidence. Satan has evidence. But Jesus said, I came to destroy all the works of the evil one. So Jesus came. Jesus' work was to overthrow the work of the enemy. So the enemy, So even Jesus, by his own definition, by his own assignment, was telling us, I've come because he's got a job, he's got a work, so I have to come to overcome his work. Wow. Jesus also told us from, from the rise of the sun to the going down, he's always at his father's business. He's at work. So Jesus said, you know, if I'm about my father's business, wherever Jesus went, he was at work. He was at work. Wherever he went, he was at work. That's the same mentality you and I must adopt. Wherever we go, we're at work. We're not, we don't go to our job and leave our faith. But our faith and our work together, that's our work. I can combine the two in my work, in my job, when well, I'm doing my job. Well, does that mean I can preach? No, it doesn't mean you preach. You're not paid to preach. You pay to work. Well, what do you mean? Duh. When you get opportunities, let your light shine. Before you speak, shine. Amen? Are you getting this? We need a footprint in life. We need, people need to see who we are, where we've been. Everybody needs a footprint. You've seen that thing, haven't you, footprints? When you couldn't carry yourself and then you, you found Jesus carried you. Yeah? But we need a footprint. Where when I work, in my work, I need my own footprint. God, give me my footprint. In my work. That's why he gave you a work. So you could have a footprint. We need a footprint in the, the neighborhoods. We need a footprint in the streets. We need a footprint back where the broken walls. We need a footprint where the gates are. We need a footprint in the midst of our enemies. We need footprints, people. This is the kingdom. I have been Commissioned by Almighty God. I'm a believer who must be put to work. I have a work and an assignment to be completed. You all agreed with that. I have a mandate to fulfill. I have a destiny to pursue. I have a vision to fulfill or to pursue. I need a footprint. I don't need a backside imprint. I need a footprint. It's important. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you took your faith to work? Uh, Oh, you got me on that one, Pastor. You take the car to work. You take the bus or the train to work. So why can't you take your faith to work? This work of yours is called your field. Everybody needs a field. Now the field, even God Almighty allows you to choose your field. Your field is called your place of expertise. Your field is where you work. Hello? Your field is where you work. Your field is where your skills, your knowledge... I put to test. Yeah? It's called your profession. Your chosen profession. You went to college, university, wherever you went to study, to do your job, that's your field. God's give you skills and ability to, to rise in that field. But you've got to see that field as not as your job, but as your spiritual work. Take your faith to work. Don't leave it at home. If we can see that our faith and our, if we we can combine our faith with our work in the workplace, we'll see God do amazing miracles. We really will. Because my mind then starts shifting to a whole new place. I'm expecting God to do something. I'm looking for God to do something. I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for people's hearts who are open so I can sow seeds. I'm looking how I can help the people of the streets are in my workplace. Yeah. The people who've got broken walls in life are in my workplace. Right. The people who have got, let's go back, the people who have, who, 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 uh, I should say, the, the, the obstacles are the gates are in my workplace. Yeah. Broken walls, city, the parts of the streets that need restoring, those people work where I work. My faith is needed to help them rebuild, restore. And I also, my workplace is where I have to work, in, I have to learn to rule in the midst of my enemies. You know, who your number one enemy is you. Before you get all spiritual, you're your biggest enemy. Your moods. Oh, I don't have moods. There's one right there. Your moods are a massive enemy. I feel good today, I feel bad. I I snapped someone's head off. Guess what? That's light, all right. Young Jedi. You go in with your lightsaber. Not your lightsaber. Your lightsaber, and you're about to just to take off anyone's head who stands up. It's called Monday morning blues. But you were in church on Sunday. You were like a flower. And then someone rained on your parade on Monday. And then, argh, argh, argh. great. So you're your biggest enemy. Your thoughts towards others are an enemy. So before you define your enemies, have a good look at yourself in the mirror. Go and sort yourself out. Go and have a drink of water, slap your face, whatever you've got to do. Put your makeup on, fellas. And then go back out and think, remember, I'm, this is my work. This is my work. So, how many of you know, good deeds are not done by walking into a church. They're done when you walk out of the church and help others. Now you all, sorry, what did you just say then? Did you all agree with that? Ah, okay, so now you're on the same page. Oh, yeah, that's right, Pastor. Absolutely, I love that. It's fantastic. But you're speaking about somebody else. So if, if that is true, which you've all just said it is, yeah? So the church of the condemned. <laughs> if good deeds are not done by walking into the church, they're done by when you walk out of the church. You've got to ask yourself who they're going to be done by. Go on, have a good look at yourself. Go on. He's talking to me. Yeah, yeah. He's talking to us, not you, us. Because we're all in this bracket together. We're all in this bracket together, church. Look at these empty seats. These empty seats will always remain empty until we go and talk to others. And I pray there'll always be empty seats. No matter how big we get, there'll always be empty seats. These seats are a reminder that there's still people to reach. There's still deeds to be done. These seats don't remind me that someone couldn't be mad to get out of bed this morning. These seats remind me that there's still people to reach. The moment you have a full church, you don't think there's a need anymore. You think you're doing well so good sometimes empty seats can be a blessing the reminders of how a church still is here to rebuild walls restore streets so good deeds are done not done by walking into a church how many of you know that they're done when you walk when you walk out of the church and help others so that's where, that's how we rebuild walls that's how we restore streets we help we are got to look for ways There's people in your workplace. You don't have to go into the precinct and shove a a plaque over your head saying, I love people. Just look for the Holy Spirit to lead you to someone in your work. You can do a good deed to someone in your work. The workplace is the most powerful place you could ever be. That's why God's put you there. Well, I don't go to work. Well, find a neighborhood then. Go and join a group. I'd have to leave church. No, you wouldn't. You can combine. Hmm. Remember that word? Yeah. Yeah. I can combine, why? Because my faith needs to be taken to a group. Yeah. Doesn't mean to say you can't go to one or not the other. You can, because guess what? You're not in church every day of the week. Yeah. We saw to that a long time ago. Yeah. We had that circumcision a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, the world's a dead, but yeah, but that's what we're called to be in. We're just, we're just also called that the world mustn't be inside us. So good deeds are not done inside of the church. I'm glad we all understand that. And we all agree with that. So the issue is now, Lord, help me to do good deeds. Help me to combine my faith with a work. Help it. Help me, O oh God. Lead me, O oh God. Because God's waiting to lead you. Believe me. Now here's the issue. When He leads you, you can't turn and say, Hey, well, I didn't mean that one. I didn't mean that scuffer. I didn't mean I have to go and help the helpless, the homeless. You said you were volunteering for work. I'm sure when you said, Holy Spirit lead me, that's what he did. He led you. Some of the projects, some of the programs, some of the people that you will visit will not be of your choosing. God will lead us to all kinds of living creatures. But remember, there is a particular people group designed for you. Hello? There's a particular people group that belong to you. Got your name on it. It's your assignment. But if you only ever go to this and and your life's so ordered that you're only ever with your friends, guess what? That's not your group. That's your friends. Not wrong with friends. Friends are good, providing they're going the right way. There's all kinds of friends. So, work is where people, would would you agree with this? Work is where people get a real good look at both you and your character. I'm sure by now, most people know your character in word. If you mention the word James, James Smith, for instance, whoever James Smith is, and everyone will have an opinion on Smith. Oh, Smith is a good guy. Smith is a good guy. Oh, yeah. Or someone will say, Smithy. Well, yeah, well. Someone's got a different opinion. So when, if they mention your name in work, what is the first thing you think people's going to think of about you? Hey. Hey. Think about that. Write that question down and answer it yourself and then go and change it. Go and change it. Because if you think, oh, everybody loves me, wake up, smell the coffee. <laughs> not everybody does love you. Right? You're not there to be liked. But it sure helps if you are. <laughs> You're there to be employed. But being liked is good. Don't get me wrong. Being like is good. I like to be liked. Right? I've, listen, I've had unlike and I've had like, and I know which one I prefer. Yeah, I wish they put unlike on Facebook. I really do. There's a lot of stuff I would just say, don't like it. Why does everything have to be like? There must be an alternative. Unlike. Work is where people get to see whether I am the model, whether I model the message that I proclaim on Sunday. If you're cursing in work, oy, if you're cursing in work, then how bad is your model? Well, I just—it's the—it's the factory language. But you're not meant to be the factory language. You're meant to be. A different person. You know, I worked in, when you work in a printing factory, just like most companies, you, the people have a factory language. And it's almost like they swear and, 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 you know, F-bomb, loads of F-bombs going off, you know, and all kinds of B-bombs going off. It's, it's it's toxic warfare. And it's amazing. When some people come out of work, they've just got this different language. They go home and they don't use that language. And then they go home in, in, in a different environment and, hello, dear, how's your, dear? And they learn to speak and control their voice and their, their thinking differently because they know at home they won't get away with it. But we're just being people. That's the women and the men. But guess what? You can't be party to that because you're meant to model the message that you preach or the, the, the message you believe. I tried it. Listen, I lived the other way. I was one of the worst saints ever. I was a bad saint I wasn't a saint, I was a sinner who thought he was a saint. And my language was blue. Same as that, I'm not proud of it. But God gave me the opportunity to change my reputation in that factory. And by God's grace, I did. And all the factory looked to me, to eventually, uh, they eventually looked to me as a standard bearer. They knew I would not compromise my faith. God gave me the opportunity to turn my reputation round. So when I walked out of that factory, I knew my work had been done. That was one chapter of my life where I know I left better than I entered. Every company that you work for, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You must leave that company better than you walked into it. That's what being a Christian is about. If people can pick holes at your moral character, that's a problem. Me and Phil were only saying this the other night. I don't care if you don't like what I believe. Because it's an opinion. But when you challenge my character and you can find evidence, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. You might not agree with me that Jesus is Lord. That's perfectly fine. That's called you have your your entitlement to your belief. I'm entitled to mine. There's room for that. That's why my work is to be in there, to be salt and light. But if they say my character is this and that, I'm a gossiper, I'm a backbiter, I steal, I do all that. Guess what? Whoa, 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 Kimo Savvy. Then why would anybody want to become like me? They already are. So there's a big difference. So work is where good majority of my worry Bad attitudes and stress is created and developed. Would you agree? And then where do you bring it home to? And who do you bring it home to? Work is where my opinions. Here we go. Work is where my opinions. Gossip. And my thoughts are aired. You get involved in the office gossip. And that's when. People, you know, if there's any change going on in your company, how many of you know that people will always meet and talk about the changes that's going on? And change inevitably means a person. People are bringing the change. They're instigating the change. So then people start gossiping about the people and about the change. Come on, we've all had it. <coughs> so then you sit there and they say to you, what do you think? Oof, what do I think? And you think because you're in that environment, It entitles you to an opinion. And it does. But it also entitles you to remain silent. It's important. Why is my opinion important to you? Mm. So when you go into work and they're all gossiping, and you know there's always always company gossip. He's sleeping with her. She's sleeping with her. He's hoping to sleep with her. What did you do at weekend? Trying to sleep with her. And then you get involved in the conversation. Ah, she's all right, isn't she? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kimo That's not the kind of conversation you should be having. Well, she's nice. It doesn't matter. So work is the place where my opinions, gossip, and thoughts are often shared with others. Work is the public place where pressure highlights how much tolerance perseverance and forgiveness is actually alive within me. It shows me how much is not there and how much is there. Can I work under a regime? Can I work under poor conditions? Can I work under poor pay and still keep a smile on my face? That's the challenge, folks. This is why your work and your faith is needed in your work. All the challenges, or sorry, majority of challenges in life come from the workplace, the strain and the stress are all if come out of the work. You carry it on then into the family. The family picks up your stress. And then we say, well, he's got problems. And then what happens is marriages don't talk about what's going on because dad's, dad's under stress right now. So don't talk to him, kids, because there's things going on at work. So why should the kids have to pay for it? And then dad's just as moody with his own family as he is, is with his work family. And it shows how much intolerance you've got. And it shows how how your character's poor. And it shows how indisciplined you are. And it shows, and then you come to church and you worship intensely. Oh, God, I need you now. (laughs) Why? Because it's all emotion. God, you've got to come out of the heavens right now and help me. God says, whoa, calm down. Come to me in intimacy. Lord, when you come in intimacy, It has has its own way of causing you to think how you approach. And as you approach, you kind of see yourself as a dipstick. And as you you see yourself as a dipstick, it has a humbling effect upon you. And then you say, God, and he goes, yes, I know. Say it anyway, I'm a dipstick. God says, yes, I know. We've been waiting. Me, the Father, Holy Ghost, yes, he's a dipstick. And he gets on his knees and he says, Lord, forgive me. Yes. Agreeing these, agreeing these things we've just spoken about, don't you think the workplace is where your faith is meant to be? Can you see just a small evidence of what the workplace produces? Is it not good for us to be in the workplace? Of course it is. It's the, it's, it's the perfect place for us to be. Why? Because God works on me and God works through me. God works in me and works through me. Then God works on me about, because of the things that are to enter me. The workplace is perfect. So, with a royal, with a royal agreement, suck it up and enjoy it. Why? Because, and then you say, Lord, get me out of this place. Not lightly, fella. This is good for you. And I've been in crucifixion. And I've been where I'm saying, Lord, Lord, if this, this factory is, is too much for me, Lord, let this factory pass before me. The Lord says, no, son. Why? Because me, me, the Father and the Holy Ghost, we think it's a good place for you. Suck it up. Yeah, we've not finished with you yet. But Lord, I don't like him. Kill him. You didn't tell me I went to work with Pharaoh. You didn't tell me I went to work with every, you know, dictator there was on the earth. God says, I know, and he's brilliant. But Lord, I'm going to lose my job. No, you're not. Shut up. Trust the one who put you in there. I can move you tomorrow. I can find you somewhere else. It's not a problem. I'll put you in the right place where it's good for you and good for the people. Really? Yes. That's why take your faith into work. Ah. I wonder where it's supposed to be. Dipstick. (coughs) Can we see this? Can we really see this? If we can get our heads around this, church... Peace can be extended to you. Grace can be extended to you. You're fighting something, and you're asking for something that God doesn't want you to have. Because, let's face it, when when the screws are being turned, what is the natural reaction of every human being? To get out. Or to punch his face in. Neither is an option. God Will keep you there if you are being abused, and there's a limit to how much God will let you suffer. God will move you if that's the case, God will protect you. Jesus said, If this cup be, you know, if it's possible, no, it's not, son. All right, I'll come to terms with it then. Not my will, but your will be done. Your workplace right now may be demanding some things from you. Hold on, stay put. I said, stay put. I said, stay put as long as you can. Let God finish his work in the workplace. And if God finishes the workplace, if God finishes his work in the workplace in you, then he'll move you on to somewhere else. But don't leave another job running away from what was unfinished in this job. Hello, I'm speaking to you here. The workplace is God's place. I said, the workplace is God's place. It's where he wants us. Every day, Christ wants to go to work with you. And every day, Christ is waiting for you to take him to work. How do I do that? Through my faith. I don't just do my job. My job is not just, that's my, where my skills are, but my work is being with the people. Separate the job from the work. Paul and Barnabas were separated for the work that I have commissioned them To do. There was a work. But in that work, they had to get jobs. Hello? But there was a work. And even in their work, they were witnessing. Or in their jobs, they were witnessing. So stay where you're meant to be. Hello? Can you see this, church? I hope this is giving some confirmation to some of you this morning. I hope this is bringing life to some of you. But it's hard, Pastor. I know it's hard, guys. I know, but listen, you need, some, you need to walk with a limp. The Holy Spirit needs to have his hands upon your life. Some things have to change, and they ain't changing in here. They're changing out there. It's where God wants you to be, salt and light. Amen? So let's stand to our feet. I hope this has encouraged you. I really do, because it's meant to encourage you. A tough message is meant to encourage you because this is where you're meant to be. It's meant to be. There's many times, you know, when I wanted to go to leave this job and go and get a job. Right? I'm not saying this isn't a job, but I want to be with people. I want to be with people. When I left my company and I came here, I tried to spin both plates because they wanted me to work some nights. So when I first took this Pastor, roll on. I was working nights. You lot didn't know. I was still working nights and still and then getting up, having a couple of hours sleep and coming here during the day and trying to pastor. And God says to me, "What the hell are you doing?" And I just said, "Well, I'm trying to earn a bit of money as well." I'm being honest because you didn't pay. Well, you not. You didn't pay me. The church didn't pay me. And I left for a considerably, considerably lot less money than when I was on because I was on. As a professional in that sense. They pay professional money. Yeah. Didn't feel like a professional, but I got the money out of it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And God said to me, I called you out yeah. Yeah. to come and do this work. Yeah. Yeah. This work. He didn't say, I told you to leave that <laughs> job to come to this job because this isn't a job. This is a work. Yeah. 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 This is where I need your faith in this work. But Lord, I want to be around people. He says, okay, that's a different question. Yeah. I want to be around. and I still want to be around people. It's lonely up there. It is, it's lonely. And sometimes I wish I had a part-time job. So I can just be around people. So I have to find ways of engaging myself with people. And because I'm a talker. I don't even notice that. I'm a talker. So I'll go to a cafe and I'll just engage in conversation. And I just seem to be able to talk to people. That's it. That's it. Just smile, put a smile on you and just talk. Inquire about people. Don't be nosy. But inquire. But don't be nosy. So I just talk, talk, talk. And I love it. And I walk out and I think, thank Lord. Great, I got a cup of coffee, I got fed. And I had a good conversation. And people just seem to offer things. Offer, you know, the hearts to you and you're thinking, wow, it's easy. Because when you're just in your stream great. I'm just taking my faith to that place. And it's easy. It's easy when you're just talking. But if you think, I've got to go and preach to her now. (sighs) Don't go and preach. Just go and talk. Just talk to people. Be human. Just be human. Don't be a nutter. Don't say, I was thinking this morning, John 3, 16, you fall right into that category nutter so let's put our hands together if we will lord and let's just go back to that statement we made at the beginning this is the kingdom lord i have been commissioned by the almighty god forgive me lord for separating compartmentalizing a job from a work I'm a believer who must be put to work. I have a work and an assignment that must be completed. I have a mandate to fulfill. I have a destiny to pursue. And I have a vision to uphold. Lord, I need to be salt and light in the workplace. Let my faith rise. Use me. Naturally. Supernaturally. In the workplace. Lord, this is my prayer this morning. Lord, and my prayer for the church this morning, Lord, is you take these words and sow them into people's hearts. Lord, that you would severely, Lord, prod the conscience and the heart of your people. That your people will take this word to heart and they will seriously begin asking you, oh God, how, where, when, who. Lord, they'll begin to find ways of taking their faith to work. So that their faith goes to work. In people's lives. Lord I ask. That you hear my prayer this morning for your people. And I pray oh God that you hear the prayers of your people. And Lord that you would move your hand to help your people. Give them courage. Give them confidence. Give them boldness. To be able to stand in the workplace. There's grace there people. There's grace for you. There's favour there for you. There's blessing. There's anointing. If you just stand, having done all, stand in the workplace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. (laughs) You can do it. I have every confidence you can do it. I'm looking forward to the testimonies. Looking forward to the testimonies but you must also look for the opportunities. Amen? Amen? Lord bless you.